Hello everyone and welcome to IPA's Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast. My name is Casey Fisek. Today we're going to tell you what action the board took, why they took that action, and how this affects your practice. I am joined by Sue Mears of the Board of Pharmacy. Thank you, Sue, for joining. My pleasure. Uh, a longer meeting today, for sure, but a lot of that was just going through various requests on certain mm-hmm. issues. So uh, a little skinnier agenda for rules and legislation, actually, and uh, didn't take long at all. So uh, we'll try to walk you guys through what, what actions the board took here today. I think maybe first and foremost, and there's not much to say about it, but it's just interesting, and I think everyone who's listening uh, might find it interesting as well, but the board, the bo- excuse me, the board did vote to have... Uh, Andrew Funk have the authority through the Board of Pharmacy to speak on potential legislation. If you were, Andrew is the executive director of the board. Um, so he now has the official approval of the Board of Pharmacy to speak on behalf of them regarding legislation impacting the practice of pharmacy and prescription drug distribution. So if you're not aware, that is an action that the board will take to grant Andrew that authority during legislative sessions. So he now has the power to, to speak. <laughs> But uh, Sue, I'm sure you could uh, equally speak as well on pharmacy legislation during session. I, I don't yeah, know. we usually try to just be available to answer any questions that legislators might have um, just as an education piece. Um, my role would not be to advocate for or you know, lobby for or against or any, any bill in particular, but just to educate legislators when they, when they need it. Yeah, which on pharmacy issues happens quite a bit. They Agreed. are not the easiest yeah. issues to comprehend sometimes, whether... No doubt. Even if you've been spending your time doing this, they still get difficult. Yep. Uh, Another action similar to legislation that the board took was uh, they actually voted uh, to register for IPA's bill for 2020 this year. Um, If you're not aware, IPA will be introducing legislation that would um, lower the immunization age for pharmacists to age six. So currently, for all CDC-recommended vaccines, that age sits at 18, except for flu, which is six months and above. For a couple years now, we have been working to introduce legislation that would lower that age. So uh, that is included in the bill, as well as two provisions that would add additional statewide protocols. So if you're aware, the statewide protocol bill passed in 2018 included nicotine replacement, naloxone, and immunizations. This bill would add uh, point-of-care testing and treatment for flu and strep, as well as all tobacco cessation products, so your your, uh, prescription products would be included under that statewide protocol. So uh, definitely appreciate the board's vote of uh, support on that and goes a long way, I think, in uh, demonstrating um, that it's a sound policy and good for patients, good for public health. So definitely appreciate that and good to see as we head into the legislative session now, which is, gosh, just this Monday, Monday. hard to believe. Um, So that bill has been submitted for drafting as well and uh, should be out fairly soon. Sue, you gave a a quick update as well on the board's legislation, but um, since we talked about it last time, probably won't jump into it. But those are all available on the website. Correct. On the legist, yeah. So legist.iowa.gov, I believe. And then if you go to the legislation tab, the very first listing on that page is a link for pre-filed bills, and all three of the board's bills have been pre-filed and are available um, to download and view at that website. Great. So if you are all interested in doing a little bit of light reading you can go ahead and and jump on and read the board's bills Uh, they're not too hard to find like sue said just go to legislation and then uh, pre-filed tab uh, underneath there and you can find them as well 
So, Sue, jumping into rules here, the board did um, have a proposed adoption and filing related to, um, and, you know, it's not exactly in the title of the rule, but I think it relates to expedited partner therapy, correct? correct. Yep. So I don't know if um, a lot of our listeners might be familiar with what EPT is, expedited partner therapy, but maybe you could walk them through this rule and, and um, we can kind of dive into some of the questions that I know IPA has gotten and then sure. um, just, uh, I guess, start high and we'll work our way down. How about All that? All right. So, yeah, so there's an Iowa Code provision 139A41 that allows a prescriber to issue a prescription for an unnamed partner or partners um, of someone that they are treating for a sexually transmitted disease. Um, so what these rule changes do would allow a pharmacy to fill a prescription that doesn't have a patient's name on it, that it would just be expedited partner therapy or no name at all um, for a treatment for sexually transmitted disease for the unnamed partner. Um, and so all these really just got into every rule that dealt with um, a prescription and the requirements of a prescription and made um, the exemption for prescriptions that, are, that meet this code provision. So the board did vote to adopt that rulemaking. So I'll get those rules filed and I suspect they would be effective March 17th. Um, but they'll be effective 35 days after the date of publication in the administrative rules bulletin. So we always, or we've started doing a press release on days of oh, okay. publication of rulemaking. So for people that are keeping that on your radar, keep an eye out for a press release from the board. Um, and then when that is actually published as adopted, um, then we'll send out a press release and we'll have the effective date of that rule listed. And But I suspect it would be the middle of March. Okay, middle of March. So be aware of that and look for the press release. That's definitely helpful. So were you, so there was, and if you can't answer this, that completely understandable, but there were some laws on the books relating to EPT, right? Were these rules kind of a, the target to help more with implementation or help pharmacies understand how to process EPT? Yeah, and I think... I think pharmacies probably could have had authorization to fill those prescriptions based on that Iowa Code provision right. that's been there for I don't know how long. Um, but this just helps give pharmacists more reassurance that, that they legally can do it. it, might give them a little bit more um, backup from a third-party yeah. audit standpoint, um, but if I just remember solidifies that correctly, authorization. Yeah, the, the existing language kind of... Uh, was in place more on the medical side and prescriber side, correct? Correct. Or, and so this helps yeah. uh, provide clarification there. So definitely something to be aware of now moving forward. It's, I think, you know, an exciting opportunity to expand um, patient care in this direction. I think some of the questions we've gotten, and uh, definitely, you know, uh, understandable when you think about it, but more so just, you know, how this might look when a prescription comes through and uh, excuse me if my lingo is off. This has been passed along uh, by Anthony Pudlow, a pharmacist in our office. But I do know that uh, with uh, the new script standard that became effective, I believe, January 1st, there's going to be some guidance from NCPDP regarding what exactly that prescription might look like. Um, so in certain form fields, whether that's the name, uh, address, um, I think, uh, excuse me, I'm trying to remember here, what else uh, was contained in these fields. 
Um, yeah, so address, date of birth, uh, first name, last name. Be on the lookout. I think there'll be an opportunity that we can provide some, some guidance for everyone who might be interested. But first name would look as expedited, last name, partner. These are all, mm -hmm. if, if you weren't aware of you know, you know the names and had to fill it in that way. So just be on the lookout for that from us as well. It'd be helpful, I think, to uh, be aware of exactly what that might look like if you're not familiar with it when it comes through. So that's just about it for rules and legislation. You know, last uh, podcast, I think we introduced the, the topic, sort of a question of the day or pressing topic that um, the board or IPA has been hearing from pharmacists across the state. And this one keeps uh, coming up. I, I know, Sue, you mentioned that you'd heard it from a few folks as well. But it relates back to electronic prescribing and some of the new rules that became effective on January 1st, not just rules, but laws as well. Uh, in the Iowa Code. and The question is, does a pharmacist have to verify that a prescriber or a prescription meets the exemptions established in the Iowa Code, Sue? And the answer is no. The answer <laughs> is no, folks. Uh, I think the board and uh, has stressed this quite a bit, and we try to get it out through our messaging as well. It is not the pharmacist's duty to, to go back and, and check to make sure that the, uh, the exemptions have been met. Correct, right. So the legislature was pretty specific in amending that law to add that language that takes the pharmacist out of that enforcer role. Um, so if you receive a prescription in any format, you can fill that prescription. It is not um, your burden um, or the onus is not on you to figure out if that's legitimate as far as transmission manner. Um, obviously, you need to ensure that it's a legitimate prescription otherwise, <laughs> but as far as how you receive that transmission is not, um, is not an issue for the pharmacist. You can fill that prescription. You certainly can look up to see if a, a prescriber has an exemption or a clinic has an exemption, but that is certainly not your requirement to do so. Right, I, and I don't think the intent, whether by the legislator or by the board's rules, was to prevent a patient from receiving Correct. a prescription they would yeah. need. So. Uh, fill the prescription, I think, is, is what I'm hearing. Uh, it's not your job to be sort of the policeman of the exemptions or the rules. So just wanted to make sure we get that out there again, if possible. Sue, I don't know if, if you can answer this or not, but just relating to e-prescribing, I know there's been a lot of um, the requests for waivers, if, if my terminology is correct. That's come in front of the board lately. Is that process over? Well, you think it should be because the, you know, the the mandate became effective January one, so it would have been ideal for all prescribers to either be compliant or have an approved exemption mm -hmm. um, on file. But clearly, I'm sure there probably still are practitioners out there that are not yet compliant and have not yet sought an exemption either. Yeah. Um, so in a perfect world, yes, it would be done, but but it'll be a, who knows a, eventually. It'll get there, sure, yeah. um, but for now it's sort of still a rolling process then from how I take it. Yeah. Well, okay, I appreciate your time today, Sue. Uh, I'm not sure, do you know when the next board meeting is? February 25th, 26th. So stay in touch, stay tuned for the next board meeting when we uh, bring you the podcast again in February. Uh, like we said, legislative session is coming up, so keep your ear to the ground on the board's legislation and IPA's legislation. Should be some exciting and interesting things happening there. But otherwise, we appreciate your time today. We appreciate you tuning in and listening again. And uh, feel free to reach out if you have any more questions. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. No problem.